0: Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Borellis. Hi, I'm Patty Lepone.
1: This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network.
2: Welcome to the Theater Podcast, intimate personal conversations with theater's biggest names. I'm your host, Track One. <laughs> <laughs> and Stop. with me here is Track Two. <laughs> I'm always Jack, too. <laughs> That's right. Got to keep the settings consistent for uh, for editing.
0: Podcast magic.
2: Him. I am Alan Seals. I don't know who I am anymore. <laughs> Jillian Hockman, thanks for joining me today. Uh, today we have a wonderful episode with uh, photographer Michael Kushner. This is our first photographer on the podcast.
0: But he's he does so many things. He's a photographer. He's an actor. He's a producer. He's a get-stuff-done guy.
2: He does. He gets a lot of stuff done. I I personally like his um, dressing room project photos. Yeah. He goes behind the scenes, takes all these photos of people doing like doing them before shows and getting ready.
0: He was actually there for Hashtag Black Glinda. He photographed yes. um, for Wicked, uh, Brittany Johnson made her uh, understudy debut as Glinda. And he photographed the whole thing. It was a big deal.
2: Yeah, it was all over the socials. I had a lot of fun uh, following it through through those means but um I mean in general I'm really impressed with 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 him as another example of how you can still be heavily involved with theater heavily involved with Broadway specifically but not actually be on stage per se and he just did everything he could and and now this is one particular thing that he's known for, but he still does so much.
0: And he has carved out his own niche and he is a part of the community and really important. And he's someone who everybody knows and is just a great dude.
2: Yeah. He invested in be more chill. Did you know that? Yeah. 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 That was, that was cool to talk about. Invested in be more chill.
0: Never heard of it. (laughs) Never
2: heard of it. Um, he shoots, uh, these major stars, these like top Broadway names out of his two bedroom apartment in Harlem. Which is incredible, or is it Washington Heights in the 150s? I s? I don't know. I think it was Harlem it was Harlem. Um, yeah, it's like we that's where we did the interview. We sat on the floor of his living room, and his dog sandwich was jumping in and out of everyone's lap and giving me lots of doggy kisses, and it was amazing. Uh, but I think the two of you are probably separated at birth Simon's we twins
0: are the same person. Um he has the same answer that I do to our final question. So listen to the end to hear answer to our our closing standard question.
2: Yeah, you do have a lot of opinions and thoughts on the industry that are pretty near identical. So Best uh, friends forever. <laughs> everybody please enjoy this episode with Michael Kushner.
3: even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Here you
0: go. One, two,
2: three. Actor, producer, makeup artist, and photographer. His work has been featured in the New York Times, vogue and the tony awards and in publications in print and online nationally and across the pond that means london he's the creator of the dressing room project and is one of the founding members of musical theater factory currently in residency with playwrights horizons Michael Kushner and your dog, Sandwich. Hey. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to speak with me. I hear Sandwich in the background there.
1: Yeah, um, basically, it's in any contract I do. Whatever um, I do, he does. So, Are uh, you seriously? Oh, no, I'm kidding. Okay. But, yep. <laughs> I mean, it, basically, it is how, anyway, it's like... Whatever, you know, whatever I do, he does.
2: I've, I've entertained some, some like, A-list celebrities before, and yeah. their publicist is always like, is it okay if the dog comes? Yeah.
1: I'm like, no, it's it's fine. It's he, fine. He's not a therapy dog. He's not registered or anything, but he has literally changed my life, and he's my best friend, so uh, he's my own trash. No, <laughs> I mean, he works with me anywhere, like, um, because I work from my studios, my mm-hmm. home, Um uh, of which we are currently sitting on the floor <laughs> yes. in your living room right now. I yes. love this.
2: This is so cozy here. Thank you. Yeah.
1: We've uh, my boyfriend and I took the month of June out when we moved in to make it look exactly how we wanted. So thank you for saying that. Um but you know my studio is in the apartment mm-hmm. and um Sandwich uh, is basically my assistant. He's extremely intuitive. And what he actually does for really nervous clients is he sits on their feet until they relax. Oh. I know. So it's not like he's just there to look cute. He actually helps the shoot a lot, which is kind of amazing. Have you had anybody that that has like benefited from this recently? Oh, hundred percent. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it really calms him down. It's um he acts like a therapy dog. It, and he's yeah, just like what I said, he's intuitive. And what it does, it just kind of calms the situation down. Uh, cause people can be really intimidated by a photo shoot. And um I kind of bank on it not being intimidating at all. It's a really uh earthy experience the way I I photograph. So um Sandwich kind of adds that that calm to the I I guess
2: I've done a couple of photo shoots and yeah, I, I guess it's a little bit intimidating in the big studio, but I imagine like you're not an intimidating person. This is, <laughs> I just met you, you know, pretty re- recently here, you know, 20 minutes ago. Yeah. Um, and, and I, you know, you're, f- it's friendly, it's your apartment. Like I said, this is a very cozy living room. And then Thanks. Sandwich came up and, and licked all over me. And oh, that yeah. was wonderful. Yep. And, and I can't imagine anyone actually being intimidated in this space.
1: Yeah, I think it's just the moment before, right? Because um, you 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 can get all the information in the world, like I have a very in depth packet, um, and describing the experience. But it's not until you actually step foot in the space where you can just go, "Oh, I get it." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really try to be as open and as easy as possible. You know, I talk about. <laughs> you're gonna be like, okay. Um, I talk <laughs> about me and my things going on in my life, just so it's like we're on the same level. You know what I mean? I try to even make you feel like your your stuff is more together than me, so that way you have a little bit more of a confidence boost. And then we talk about the business, and we talk about what you can do versus what you can't do in the business. So that way, we're only uh, focused on. Um, and the things that are attainable, attainable goals and um uh the things that we can do in the next three years that these headshots, these photos, these publicity photos will only help aid as opposed to hinder you.
2: That's really interesting. I've been that's yeah. that's kind of like a what a brand, like a marketing team would yeah. do for somebody. And they say, Where do you want to go? What do you you know it feels like to me you would ask yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, like what, what do you want to use these headshots for? Mm-hmm. What do you want the feel to be like? What do you want people to to
1: to feel when they look at the pictures? Is this right? Oh yeah. I mean, my my favorite compliment that I get usually from all my clients is they just go, I feel like I'm looking at me. Oh. And that's my favorite thing. Yeah. Because, well, I shouldn't be looking at anyone else. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's you know, and I mean Alice Ripley said that. Like you know <laughs> mm-hmm. she created not not only is she, is she one of the most amazing people i've ever met or worked with but she created one of the more iconic uh roles in the musical theater canon and she's in my home with my puppy telling me that i'm capturing the true essence of her like it it's kind of really cool yeah you know what i mean sometimes i have no idea what i'm doing but i think working from that place of like well Let's see what happens, you know, is calming right. to a lot of people. Well, let's let's get into
2: yeah. how how you got to where you are. And and normally on this podcast, uh, we start at the very beginning. it's a very good
1: place to start, yes. I heard. <laughs> uh,
2: and I'm taking this from your from your website. You're originally a Long Island Jew raised in Florida?
1: Yeah. I so, used to I used to actually um I used to talk with a New York accent, with a Long Island accent. Oh, really? Yeah, because I wasn't talking until I was 3 and uh, my whole family speaks with a, you know, Long Island Jewish accent. And um and it got me a lot of attention. So I kept it up and I like kind of uh, exaggerated it a little bit. There is um in rehearsals uh, in well, I did shows at this um school called the Carl Springs Institute for the Performing Arts. Um, and learned how to perform there. And um, uh, after school, uh, kids would show up with with dinner, you know, because it was after school. And um one kid had McDonald's all the time. And I loved the fries that were on the softer side because they were usually more salty. Soggy, yeah. yeah, soggy and saltier. And I would always ask Zach for that, for those fries. And he would say how do you ask for it? And I said, can I have the soft ones? <laughs> and he would always make me say that before it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it only comes out now when I'm, um, when I'm angry, passionate, or drunk. <laughs> but because my, my college made me get rid of it. Oh, you're
2: right. And you yeah. went to Ithaca College, yeah. right? Yeah. So before you got to Ithaca, uh,
1: we went from Long Island to Florida. What took you to Florida? Um, My grandparents were snowbirds, and my dad wanted to go closer to his family, and my mom obliged, and we went down, and uh, that was it. But we would go to New York like every summer, so Mm -hmm. I kind of was splitting time a little bit, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But um, that's really the only reason for Florida. Oh yeah,
2: well that's that's interesting, and and so you came to New York. I see came back because you still had family here.
1: Yeah, my aunts on Fifty First and 9th. my grandmas in Queens. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's and good.
2: and so then, where did the affinity for for Broadway and musical theater come in?
1: Um, my grandma on my dad's side in Florida was a community theater actress. Um, at the was it the JCC in Long Island? I don't even know, but um. I guess just the synagogue but she did they oh my god they did shows illegally um and renamed the musicals so what it, uh I think they did Funny Girl and it was Forever Fanny they did like <laughs> Fiddler on the Roof and it was called like um I think it was called Matchmaker or something like they just said all right no one's going to know we'll just sneak this in and uh, we, one day we were watching Mary Poppins, my favorite movie, my Tattoo, my tattoo on my left arm. And uh, my grandma taught me stage right from stage left. And she then told me about the time she was Mae Peterson and Bye Bye Birdie. And the mink coat weighed her down so much that at the end of her number, she couldn't get up. And the audience was laughing hysterically. And that was when I was like, I want that. Were they laughing with her or at her? Oh, they were laughing with her. Okay, because she was. Then I made it a shtick. It was the best feeling in the world. I, you know, I improvise and it was just like I want it. Whatever that is, give give me a mink coat, and you know what I mean. Yeah. How old were you then? Oh, I must have been uh, five or six. Oh wow, so real young. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, my the thing about my family is they've always treated me like adults. They never babied me. You know what I mean? So I thought you were going to say they never bathed you. They never like- bathed me. Um, <laughs> I never got a haircut. No, i just <laughs> I never wore shoes. It was a tough time. Um, I grew up in the Depression, apparently. <laughs> um, and um, But they never babied me. So I was watching Mel Brooks movies by the time I was 11. And they were explaining to me the jokes. Um And, uh, so I developed this affinity for kind of what, what I wanted to do at a very early age. Uh, and I quickly realized that I didn't want to do just one thing, Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is kind of, um, which explains a lot about me today. You know what I mean? Right. But, uh, but yeah, I, I owe my family a lot for always treating me like a, like a, a human, not like a kid or Mm -hmm. a baby, like. No, I would sit. My there's something called the Jewish goodbye, right? Mm-hmm. The Jewish goodbye is when it's ten thirty and on a school night, and and uh, it's time to go home. So you, you uh, you've already had the coffee, you've already had you know the the marble cake, the you know all that stuff, and you say okay, bye, I'll see you tomorrow, you know, I'll see you next week for dinner, whatever it is. Then you forget something, you forget to talk about something, so you. In the doorway for another thirty minutes. So, but that was part of my life growing up. Was I would I would be sitting having coffee with my mom and my grandma, and they would be kibitzing, and then I would do it in the doorway, and that's why I love what just hear someone in the hallway. All right, Um, and uh, yeah, so that's I'm rambling about my family, but I'm (laughs) passionate (laughs) about my family. They're they're a huge reason why I. um, uh, why I do what I do and who I am.
2: So yeah. you, so what you do? Uh, you got you got your BFA in musical theater from from Ithaca College. At yeah. that point, did you see yourself just performing?
1: Yeah. So um, at times, okay, you know, it's I'm not gonna lie and be like I'm. Uh, I had that one trick mind of like, oh, I'm gonna just like go and do. I I booked um, two shows right after college that I had had to choose between one of them. And I was like, Fierce, I'm going to be a star. If that was how graduating was going to be like, I was like, oh, I'm going to nail it. And then I lined up another show after that. and I wound up having having three shows directly after graduating, and I had to choose between two of them at the same time. So I was like, I'm going to be a star. This is amazing. I got my equity card. And then I I graduated and did those shows, one being on the town at Barrington Stage, Mm -hmm. which was the pre-Broadway tryout. And did the next show and then did the next show in Miami and got moved to the city and nothing bit, literally for years. Um, and I had to quickly like figure out what that was. But when I was at school, um, I had always kind of done a million things at once. In, in high school, I learned how to produce certain projects, um, film my own projects write my own stuff that was even a final we had to write our own one-man shows um uh for our sophomore year final uh so i was trained how to do all this stuff and i realized then that i didn't have to choose in that moment i never have to choose
2: what did you do to to support yourself then in those in those years off between shows
1: Well, so what happened was when I moved to the city, I got a survival job. I was working um, at Saban, which is an Israeli skincare store, washing people's hands. And what I was doing was I was going to EPAs and ECCs uh, in the morning. And then I would go home and practice photography and then go to my shift and come home and Write or practice more, or or and then, next thing you know, within a few months of moving to the city, um, I had my first paying client for photography. Hmm. And you honest, shot in the studio in your place then, or what, no, how did you shoot? Oh my god, I w- was living in uh, on one hundred fifty first and Broadway, and I had a nice spacious room, um, and I. Was able to have like a bed and a and a desk area. I even made like this artist corner with like an easel and a drop cloth, like a little yoga space, and I had a photography space. And I took a jersey knit blue uh, sheet and I stapled it to the wall, and I just like had people kind of pose in front of it and figured out how to use a camera and how to edit. And next thing you know. Uh, I was getting emails from people I didn't know being like, hey, I'd love to shoot with you. Like, what are your rates? And I hated taking people's money. It was like it felt weird. I was like, no really? one. Yeah. I, I did at first because it's like, I'm a I'm a people pleaser. It's like I don't I just want to do everything for everyone. You know what I mean? I don't want to inconvenience you at all. Um, is there too much background noise with Sandwich? No, it doesn't um, matter at all. Okay, that. good. <laughs> just because I could take his collar off. Um So um, yeah, I I just felt weird. But then all of a sudden I was paying my bills with just that. And I was like, I don't feel weird about this anymore. This is fine. And I was able to quit um, Saban. And then I kind of had this teaching job at Wingspan Arts, which was fabulous and perfect for my schedule because it was only four hours a day. So I could take more clients. And then Next thing you know, I started showing up later and later and later to that teaching gig because I was just getting busier and busier and busier with photos. Yeah, and then I had to quit that and just do photos full time. And did you take did you take any formal training at any point of or? photos? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only uh, the only <laughs> the only background I have with photos is when I was wor- I was a regional actor as a kid, like thirteen. I would get picked up from. Um, middle school at 12 p.m. for Wednesday and Thursday matinees. And at those shows, I made the cast give me their headshots, which were still in black and white then, the majority of them. And I would literally tell them, this doesn't look like you in your photo and you need new ones. And we're like, oh, you look absolutely great. You have like a year left to use this photo. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like shady, but also just like honest. And I kind of always loved headshots. And I know what looks good. Like, I, you know what I mean? Like, I know what looks good. Yeah. Um, and I like to kind of be a part of that. And, and um, yeah, I'm, I'm thrilled to be doing it. That's
2: really interesting. Yeah. And, and that well, I guess when did that lead to, to the dressing room project? Um, Has that been a recent thing? Or have you been doing this for a while?
1: Okay. So the dressing room project is actually kind of funny. Um, I had a professor in college, Mary Corsaro. Hi, Mary. Uh, I'm going to send this to you. (laughs) And I was a brat my senior year. I had senioritis in college. Awfully. And there was one time, uh, we had to do character analysis for our songs. And I was assigned, no, I, I chose Mama a Rainbow from Minnie's Boys. So, starring Shelly Winters. And, uh, and, you know, she came up to me and was like, you know, uh, this the libretto basically doesn't exist. And you need to read the libretto for the show. I mean, for the for the character analysis. Let me know if you need help. And I never asked her for help. I just searched on my own and, like, couldn't find it. And then I just went on the Wikipedia site and, like, deduced information. <laughs> and I got, like, a big, in red, see me. and she basically literally opens up her drawer and goes i had it the whole time you just needed to ask and your word of the semester is preparation and i was like oh okay so when i got to the city that was still in my mind i was like oh i'm like i'm not doing the work i need to be doing the work and I was like I wonder how other people prepare. So I had a friend in disaster who I was like can I like photograph you <laughs> as you like get ready for the show? And he let me come backstage which wasn't approved by anyone and I don't do that anymore. That's not how I shoot the dressing room project and how no one should shoot anything. You need to get approval because you can get in trouble and like it's everyone needs to um uh these shows need to regulate what goes out. It's mm-hmm. press. So if you're a photographer and you're, cause I've had photographers contact me being like, how did you get started with the dressing room project? And like, can I, how do I do what you do? And, I, and it, it it's hard because like I have these relationships with certain people that allow me to go backstage. Um, and so it's just not a good idea. You know what I mean? But, um, but I did that. I didn't get in trouble. No one reprimanded me, but I quickly realized it was like, oh, that's not the way to do it. So then I started working with people, um, producers, you know, et cetera, uh, to get that clearance for certain um, for certain shoots. And it just someone saw the disaster photos and was like, you gotta keep doing this. Like we love seeing this. And then here we are like 35, 40 shows later. So what is
2: what is then the 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 purpose of the dressing room project for those who don't know what it is? Yeah, so I
1: photograph actors prepping for the roles on Broadway. It's super simple but They're beautiful pictures thank you, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. I I personally love all the candid stuff. That's thank you. that's my jam. Thank you. I just posted a cool photo today of because I I don't really I, I try to stick it to Broadway and off Broadway, but um I shot Julia Murney uh well, I shot Bright Lights Big City at 54 below last night and Julia Murney was in the cast and, I was standing with her, and she had a paper out, and it was an understudy slip. And I was like, "What?" I was like, "What?" She's like, "Oh, I write my notes for shows on all of the understudy slips that I have for Lenin because because the show was short lived, and they had stacks of of slips." With her name on it, mm-hmm. and she has like all of them and uses them for notes. Well, that's incredible. And I thought that was hysterical. And I took a picture of her holding it and I posted it today. And that's backstage of 54 right. Below. It right. belongs on the dressing room project. But um, the purpose so, you know, a lot of actors and a lot of artists have been complaining that um, that stage door etiquette has been getting really rough. Uh, when I was younger and I staged George shows, like when I was 13, 14, um, I went up to the security guard and I said, hi, I'm a theater student from out of town. I would love to go backstage. Can you take me? And the security guard literally was like, okay. And I'd get a full tour of... From the security guard? From the security guard. Wow. I got a full tour. And then he would usually pass me off to someone. So like for... um, uh, it was Sweeney Todd. I was what? Sweeney Todd was 0- 08? So I was no. That's embarrassing. It was it was 07, No. Was it oh six? I think it was oh six because I was fifteen. Uh, we'll fact check that one. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to remember, but the, it was the mid O's. No, it wasn't oh six because that was Spring Awakening, and then and then Sweeney Todd came to the O'Neill. So cool. Um, so it had to be uh, 08. Um, and I went up to the security guard and he let me in and then he passed me off to a dresser who then gave me like a tour of the dressing rooms and stuff like that. And I left with Michael Cerveris's guitar pick, a signed poster from the cast. And I think that's it. But that was back in the day. Now that doesn't happen. And now with social media, we all feel like we own a part of Broadway. And so, um, Stage dooring has gotten crazy, demanding, angry tweets saying, you know, you didn't come out, blah, blah, blah. So I kind of want to bridge that gap of audience and artist and be like, hey, guys, like, you want to see more content? You want to see the intimate parts before what you just paid 300 bucks for? Here you go. And that's where, what the dressing room project
2: is. That's essentially... Uh, a lot of the reason behind why you and I are sitting here right now yeah. is I wanted to tell the stories of not just actors, but the photographers and the press yes. agents and directors and producers. And I, I was talking to somebody the other day who said, if I had known that being a press agent for a Broadway show was a thing, I wouldn't be doing what I'm doing now. Sure. Yeah. Like, just being an actor and getting on stage is just a tiny part of the whole Broadway, the whole theater experience.
1: Yeah. No, it's it's fully true. Um, the press side especially. Well, that's the thing. It's like, yeah, it is a tiny experience. It is a tiny part, and it's fleeting, right? Some people get a Broadway show and then don't. Some people win Tonys, and then they don't work again for five years. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the nature of the beast. Um, but... You know, that's why I can, I'm trying to lead this charge called multi-hyphenatism. Did you make that word up? Um or is that a word that I should the, look up? The word, so I'm I'm making it an official word. It's like <laughs> an urban dictionary. It's basically like and it's not a real word, but it, it but it is a word that exists. It's kind of bizarre. It's like saying like um, uh it's like, oh God. Um, <laughs> like, oh, cut this. I don't, because I can't think of anything. <laughs> it's, it's just, I'm combining two words to make it a thing. And eventually it will be real because I'm making it real. Step into the world of
0: power, loyalty.
3: A woo a hand clap, or a high-fiver. I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
2: No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: But I, I will read you the definition of what a multi-hyphenate is because I wrote it. Um, being a multi-hyphenate is um, someone that uh, has multiple proficiencies cross-pollinating to help flourish professional capabilities. I like that. Thank you. I do too. (laughs) And so um, basically what that means is we can do anything we want to, especially in 2019 with um, social media and our phone and computer and stuff. We can do whatever we want. So, for instance, um, I have my photography business. Mm -hmm. I take that income and I produce projects I believe in, but also projects that I can be in. Or projects that um, people I believe in can be in. So, Basically, uh, I'm just kind of saying, "Hey, invest both time um and money into creating things that you believe should exist because that's what we're here to do, right? We're mm-hmm. here in new york to for you to understand and expose." What the th- what theater actually is because it's not just oh honey that show was just so pretty you know it's it's blood sweat tears I invested in be more chill and I learned a whole new world of the theater I wanted to bring that up I've got that in my notes here how how did that
2: happen how, did, um, how do how do you give money to be more chill
1: Mia yeah, uh, it's crazy it's like Um, I worked with a producer, and basically what happens is certain producers can um, ask people to uh, invest in shows, and it was my first time doing it, and there's a certain ask that you have to meet. And I saw it off-Broadway. I loved the show. I love all the people in it. I love Joe. I've worked with him since 2013. Joe Iconis. Yeah. Yeah. Joey Connors. Uh, so I believe in his work. I believe in Jen Tepper's work. She's been a friend for many years. Um, so everything was kind of pointing, and the social media craze and how it got to Broadway. It's just kind of pointing me in the direction of like you should do it, take that risk. And I'm a, I am a risk taker. You know I am a believer of fall in the net will appear. So I was like, why not? Like just just do it. And so I did it, and it's, it's a really interesting world because now that I made that public, a lot of people are coming up to me asking me to give them money. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, and that's when I have to go, okay, do, uh, sh- am I going to be a nice person? it's like, you know, into the woods. You're not good. You're not bad. You're just nice. <laughs> you know, am I going to be nice or am I going to be smart? Because, well, you have to be smart. This right. is big money. And again, like what I said earlier, I'm a people pleaser. So I want to give everyone money. I want to give everyone. I want to give everyone my time. But then my boyfriend is like, You're driving yourself nuts. And then I go, I'm driving myself nuts. And um and I don't I don't I don't want to spread myself too thin. I have an issue saying no. Yeah. Sometimes that's great, and sometimes that really leads me in the right direction and other times it uh, it gets me in trouble. Yeah. I don't want to get get in trouble with that anymore, you know. Right.
2: Well, and I think people in this business too, I mean, this business is all about rejection. Mm-hmm. And if you say no in the right way, I'm sure that's just par for the
1: course. Yeah. So that's my thing about rejection, right? I don't believe in nos. I don't believe in nos. This business is too crazy. This business is too nuts for no to be an answer. If you, if someone else tells you no, you have to tell yourself yes. Do you know how many people have told me no? And I literally go, eh, all right, I'll figure it out. Mm-hmm. And I do it. I mean, basically, so many things like the Dressing Room Project, like uh, getting articles out, press articles. Oh, we're not interested in that. All right, fine, I'll get someone else to pick it up. Like, I mean, I I I guess we have no's when it comes to the audition room. Uh, but there are so many people out there that are playing roles right now that were initially initially told no. And they made they they got seen. So there's one actress. I hope she's okay with me telling her story. Um, uh Lauren Chapman. She I was with her at an EPA in like 2014. She was non-equity, I was equity, and so I was chill and like I knew I was gonna get seen, and uh, and I looked at her book and she was. We were having a a talk session. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna like help you find better songs to sing because she's so talented, and and you're gonna you're gonna nail it. And she's like, okay, I'll call you. So I went to go do my audition, gave her a hug, and then I left. Didn't hear from her for months. And I didn't know why, and then my friend, Sammy, was like, did you hear what happened with Lauren? And I was like, what? She goes, she went to an ECC of Kinky Boots, and she's not an equity member. So what happens with auditions is equity members get seen, mm-hmm. and then EMC gets seen, which are uh, equity membership candidate, and that's a point system, mm-hmm. and, then, uh, and then non-ec gets seen. So and and when Nonick, uh shows up at four thirty in the morning for an audition, they can put their name on a list that may or may not get um, seen, get known by you know what I mean by the monitor. It's it's crazy, but um, she was I think first on the Nanae list, and she got seen and callback, 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 opening night on Broadway. No kidding. Yeah.
2: Because you helped her with her song.
1: No, 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 no. I didn't help her with her song. I just kind of like, um, I just, uh, she just showed up. Like she didn't take no for an answer. Mm, You know what I mean? She was, she didn't like, so basically what I mean by that is the rejection that was happening because of her place in the business in that moment wasn't the answer. She wasn't just going to be like, well, I guess I'll just wait. She showed up to an audition that a lot of people don't normally get seen at. But she got seen because she showed up. She did it. She said yes. This is it. And then had her opening night on Broadway. And then a national tour. And then now she's in Frozen. Like she's fine because she didn't take no for an answer. And um, and that's what this business is to me. It's it's there are no rules. Oh, you get into puppy love. Yeah, so good. Say, oh, He's like, all right, now I want to. Now I just want to kiss. <laughs> <laughs> um, so cute. But uh, he, he, Um, but yeah, so what I'm saying is, is that's my philosophy on this business is like, anyone can say no at any second. But if you just go F off, I'm, I'm in charge of what I create and put out in the world. That's basically what every movie teaches us. Every Broadway show teaches us, you know. So, might as well take it right and run with it. Right. <laughs> you know, that's what my family taught me. too. And you're you're also involved in, or you do makeup artistry as well. Oh my yeah? god, where did you read that? Because I need to get it down. Uh, your <laughs> website, I guess. Cool, cool, cool. I'll have my my, <laughs> you, my people call me and tell me to take it down. Do you don't do that anymore? So the makeup is a funny thing. Like I studied it in high school, and then I had. I was having this moment in like 2015 where I was like, you know, I have to get like my personality out there. Like I have to get seen. Like I haven't done a show in a while. I'm just kind of hiding. So I started doing these like weird web series episodes, like these shorts where I was in October and it was called Trick or Beat. And I would get into Disney villain makeup on video, but splice it together. It was really funny. And I was telling jokes and, it was good. And the first video got like 7,000 views in like 12 hours or something wow. like that. And I was like, oh, I have a. a people want to see me talk. They want to see me do things. So it kind of inspired me to do more. But that's where the makeup comes from. And that's as far as it goes. So I need to take that off my website. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking
2: of, I guess, YouTube and short short projects, you work with Wesley Taylor. Yeah. Who we've had? He was episode three of this podcast. I know, I love him. Oh, uh, he's so so nice. Very very great guy. And so you produced Indoor Boys, yeah, with, which with Jim Kierstead.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you how did you meet Wesley? How did that come about? Dressing Room Project. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. So I shot him for um for Plankton and SpongeBob, and we became friends. And we had coffee one day, and I was like, "What are you doing?" And he's like, "I'm trying to figure out what to do with Indoor Boys season two. And I said. I'll help you and he's like we're looking for a producer I, we're looking for a producer I think that's what it was and I was like I'll do it what do you need <laughs> and then that's you know we talked shop and figured out what I was going to do and then that's what happened and I actually even got to film some of it too so, so uh, DP
2: in your credits too. yeah
1: yeah and then so that was our Second project together, and then our third one was recently "Save Me Please," which is a short that stars Isaac Powell and Alan Filderman. and uh, we're submitting to a bunch of festivals, and we just had a screening the other night of it. So,
2: oh, I saw that on his uh, on his Instagram. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it looked good. Yeah, it was good. It was good. And you mentioned. Having to write a one man show yeah. in college, right? Yeah, yeah. Is that where "Moo with Me" came from, or is that different?
1: Sure, "Moo with Me" came out of uh, it's. This is all part of the multi hyphenate aspect of myself. So I'm I'm an actor, but my auditions aren't biting for me. It's like yeah, I'm having trouble, and I will say that publicly. It's like I'm not either. I'm not a good auditioner, or uh, whatever I'm offering just isn't. Isn't it right now? And that's okay because I will win the Tony for Roger Debris and the revival of the producers. That's fine, <laughs> it, you know. It's what's going to happen. But I just have to figure out what I'm going to do in between now and then. Um, so I've always loved one man shows. John Leguizamo's, you know, Bridge and Tunnel. Um, not John Leguizamo's Bridge and Tunnel, but John, like John Leguizamo's pieces and Bridge and Tunnel, uh, which is a separate play. And um, uh I was seeing a bunch of them and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna do mine. But that was just an idea. So what actually happened was I photographed Adina Menzel, who's my everything. I love her. We have the same jawline. I'm obsessed with her. Idina and Sandwich. Got it. Those are my two. Yep. Um and I photographed her and the whole so what happened was afterwards. I was in a room because I was going to get a group photo of like the talent. She was headlining, but it was like other. It was so so I was in a circle with um, the artistic director of the theater company, Kristen Anderson Lopez, Bobby Lopez, Adina, and I. And um, we were talking as a group, and she is like wow, thank you so much for having me. That was amazing. And then stops mid-sentence and looks at me dead in the eyes and goes, and you were giving me such an incredible energy up there. I felt you. <laughs> I blacked out. Um, <laughs> and I was just like, yeah, it's, it's because you're my everything. <laughs> and uh, she was incredibly sweet and amazing. And... um." So I asked her. I was like, you know, since I can't be in the group photo, can I get a photo with you? And she's like, oh my god, of course. And I handed my camera off to some, my phone off to someone. She's like, no, what are you doing? Let's let's take a selfie. <laughs> and I was like, okay. So we took a selfie, and I rose, I, I you know, I held my camera, up, my phone up, and she's like, what are we doing? And I was like, we're showing off our jawlines because we have the same one. <laughs> and she literally is like, okay. And like we just like. <laughs> and then that was the end of the night. And I ran and I went home like on airs because that had been 13 years of wanting that to happen, of that moment. And uh she saved me from, you know, Alice Ripley, Adina, Patty Lepon, they all saved me from bullying. You know what I mean? From mm-hmm. some awful years. Uh, they're heroes to me. And I got to meet, you know, my hero. And uh So, you know, I put it on Facebook and it got like, I I got too many likes because everyone knows my obsession with Adina. Mm -hmm. And um, my friend Ben Rimmelauer, who wrote Patty Issues, his show about Patty LePone, he texts me, is like, You know, you're writing that into a show, right? And I was like, Okay. He's like, I'm doing Patty Issues on January 28th. I'll do it at 7 PM, and then you'll do your show right after me. And, and this is at like Green Room 42. And I said, OK. And that was three weeks away. And uh, wait, is that what it was? No, no, no. Time had gone by. Time had gone by, and and I never did it. That's what happened. I never did it. And then finally, he checked in with me in like December. So it was a few months later. And then he was like, how's your show coming? And I was like, it's fine. And he's like, great, you're going to do it with me on this date. And I, that, and it was like a few weeks away. And I was going to Israel for birthright in mm-hmm. between. Like I had Broadway Con. Like there was a lot going on in between that day and the show. And I said, okay, I had to write a show and rehearse it and memorize it. And I was going to Israel for 10 days and running a booth at Broadway con. And I did it. I literally was like on a camel rehearsing my show. <laughs> literally, I was like running through my lines on a camel in the desert of Israel. That's what happened. How'd the show go? It was great. It sold out. Awesome. Yeah. That's it was wonderful. Good. And then brought it back again in April. And then I'm going to do it again this year. I just don't know when.
0: Let me know. Stuff. I wanna,
1: I wanna see it. Now. Yeah, it'd be great. It's yeah. just me talking for sixty minutes. There's no songs.
2: I still wanna see it. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's yeah. fun. Can we talk about bullying for a bit? Sure. Brought that up. Like, yeah. uh, how? What happened? And are you okay co- talking with that? How did? How did no, Idina it's and, Too too painful.
1: How did Idina and team help you out? Um, when I needed a, when I needed to escape, or when wow. I needed, hey, and he protects me now, so no more bullies. Good. Um, when I needed uh, an escape, when I needed to really be me and not try to fit in or not try to do whatever, I put on my cast albums, and I went into them. and I studied shows that I didn't know and I became friends with those characters, and I went in my head. and I was the first male alphabet, and you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. and but those also lessons of those cast albums and those shows. Helped me understand that I, that there were better things coming, that I just needed to survive those years and mm-hmm. everything would be fine. And it was, it was. And unfortunately, there are people on this planet that don't have, that don't find those things. And it gets so bad that they have to do unfortunate things. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To escape it, when my thing was just cast albums. <laughs> you know, I, uh, I just, uh, that was it. That was my, that was my uh, saving grace was Broadway. And um, <laughs> I would like, if someone was like picking on me, I would like quote a lyric at them that I, like a Sondheim lyric at them. And they would just look at me confused and kind of be weirded out and like walk away or whatever. Sandwich, <laughs> what are you staring at? Oh now all of a sudden you're scared of the back Hey. He usually steals the spotlight, and this is no you're, different.
2: You're ruining a moment, sandwich.
1: No, it's okay. It He's like, Dad, you're fine. You don't need to talk <laughs> about bullying anymore. Well, uh, okay. Yeah. yeah, no, it's okay. It's. Uh, but but my only wish is that like the dressing room project is that for for kids in middle school and high school where they're like, oh my god, I just I just gotta survive this year, and I'll get to Broadway and create something my own, or I can't wait to meet. You know, whenever I post a picture of Wes Taylor or whoever I'm posting a picture of, it's like, I can't wait to meet them. I can't wait to work with them. And that's what I did. I I literally was like, I can't wait to work with blank and blank and blank. And then all of a sudden, they're walking through my door. Your actual door. My actual apartment door. Yeah, Frankie Raffel is one of them. Frankie Raffel, Francis Raffel is the original Eponine. The Tony-winning Eponine. We go out to dinner now. We closed... Um, in London, we closed. Uh, oh my God, what's the club? Oh no. Um, oh, there's a club on the West End. Everyone goes to after the, uh, it's It's a, it's a club. Um, but it's it's like a social club. It's not like a club. Yes. Um, but there's a piano. And we sang, I'm getting back together and taking it on the road together at 2 a.m., 3 a.m. This woman I listened to on the white cassette of Les Mis. Cassette. Yeah. Yeah. And we were singing together casually, and I, I photographed her as well. It's like, that's... And then there's going to be a whole another round of those people wow. coming. That's incredible. Yeah.
2: So we'll we'll start to wrap up here a little oh, bit. I no. Yeah. Um, but I have a question, though. Do you consider yourself uh, a photographer, an actor, or a producer first? Or where do you see yourself going? Like, money's no object... You
1: have anyone can say yes to whatever you say, what would you love to do? Honest answer? Yeah. You're going to annoy me. I mean, wait, you're not going to annoy me. <laughs> I'm going to annoy you. You're not annoying me, I swear. I wasn't a slip. Um, I consider myself a theater artist. I'm just, I kind of do whatever I'm called to do. Mm-hmm. You know, because I love photography just as much as I love performance, and I love performance as much as I love producing, which is very new to me even though i did it a little bit in high school and i did, it's new to me on a professional macro level so i kind of and i love it just as much so i'm i kind of just don't want to pick my my favorite kid so i just say i'm a theater artist um, and that's kind of where i'm at you know I, there's nothing more miserable than being in a show that i don't want to be in or giving a performance that i don't feel like is actually me so, I'm happy that I have photography because, um it helps me stay away from those auditions mm-hmm. of shows that I don't want to do because I don't need to do them. There, you know, i if I didn't have photography, then I'd need to go on certain auditions so I can make health weeks or make rent or you know what I mean, and mm-hmm. i I don't want to do that. And I don't need to do that. So, knock on wood, I'm lucky, and um, and I check myself all the time. Trust, you know what I mean. But really, still, I'm still part of the service industry. I serve my fellow actor, my fellow artist. I I I have things that I need to give people. Um, so even though I'm not in the service industry for a survival job or whatever, I still am of service yeah, to people. Yeah. Because the theater is... It is for the other. So that's kind of how I approach my life and what <laughs> I do. Is there something that that you want to do that you haven't gotten to do yet? Oh. um, Yeah, I mean, ugh, perform on Broadway, definitely. Like, I... The dream is not dead to be to act on Broadway, but it's gotta be the right thing. Like all my dream roles are literally now he's sleeping. Yeah. Um, all my dream roles are literally Tenardier and Le Mis, Roger Debreen, the producers, um, Rose and Gypsy. You know what I mean? It's like they're <laughs> all 40-year-old women, basically. <laughs> and and uh, I got time for that. So i I'll check that off later. Like I'll play RDA, you know, because what's gonna happen by then is my friends that are in the industry now are gonna be those casting directors and they're gonna be like, Well, we know who needs to be recorded, right? We know who needs to be Tanarday, like because that's you know a huge chunk of the industry.
2: It's gender bend it all.
1: I know, right? Yeah. Um I will definitely play Madame Tenardier. I'm off book for both of those roles. Already. Oh, oh my god, I've been off book for Madame Tenardier and Tenard since I'm like eight. Please. <laughs> Please. Are you kidding? Like, woof, complete symphonic version, Broadway, you know, wow. London. Wow. Oh yeah. You got it. Okay, so three standard questions that I ask
2: everybody to wrap up these podcasts. Number one, very simply, what
1: motivates you? Food. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Um, (laughs) To eat. Yeah. Um, Well, especially now because I'm like on a huge diet and workout regimen, so I'm like, give me everything. (laughs) Um, What motivates me? Um, Inspiration. Uh, I love, I love seeing people's faces get it because of stuff I do.
2: And what advice would you give to your younger self and younger people listening now, starting out down a similar
1: path? Be as weird as you can be. Make all the mistakes because that way you find your tribe. Like I have a friend who I would say I say jokes to myself all the time. And no one hears them. But I'll hear one person go, ha, 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 and just give me a laugh. And they're looking at me, and they go, I heard you. <laughs> <laughs> You're my people. You're my, you know, that's your people. Yeah. It, and yeah. and those are the people that you find that humor, and you kind of figure out, like, what it is. But it's not just about humor. It's about artistry. It's about uh, what you actually, um, you know, when I was a part of Musical Theater Factory, uh I'm a. I was a founding member. I am a founding member there. I I don't do as much work there anymore. I've I've sort of had to move on, but I very much support them. When I was with them, um, I uh, it was a tribe of people, and this is one of the moments where I like I had tears in my eyes because at the end of the first year, there was a plaque that was that was erected, and <laughs> I said erected, and um, there was a plaque that was erected, and it had my name etched on it. Of these are the founding members, of the musical leader factory, and it was people like Joe Iconis and Rebecca Naomi Jones and all of, and Jen Tepper, and it was these people that I was like, holy crap! Like I, I did this with these people. These are my people, um, and that was really cool. <laughs> uh, so, find your people. Keep being weird. Keep doing you. And
2: last, if you could only see one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want, what show
1: would you see? If, wait, if I could pick one show?
2: Yeah, one show for the rest of your life, but you can see it as many times as you want.
1: Hands down, Les Mis. All right. Doesn't get old for me. I've seen it many times, you know, Broadway tour, West End. uh, Doesn't, it's, it's the best. It's literally a tattoo of mine. It's on my chest. Nice. What do you have on your chest? Um, so I have Sandwich on my shoulder. Mm-hmm. I have Mary Poppins on my forearm. And on my chest, I have Le Grand Jeu, which is The Great Day, but it's the French version of One Day More. And it's in Victor Hugo's handwriting, but I never wrote, he never wrote the phrase. So I found his manuscripts, and I pieced together his letters to form it. Wow. And I also got it on June 5th, which is the day of the June Rebellion, the big battle. <laughs> All right. Well, for those listening, <laughs> you
2: are a lovely geek. I, I love it. Uh, we can connect with you on Instagram at the Michael Kushner or uh, at the Dressing Room Project. And then on Twitter at TDRPBway. So, the Dressing Room Project Broadway. And then your website, of course, Michael MichaelKushnerOnline.com. You can get more of me in the theater podcast, as always, on Instagram and Twitter theater underscore podcast facebook.com official theater podcast and listen and subscribe rate and review send me an email feedback at theaterpodcast.com I say this so often now this is produced by Jillian Hockman and thank you to Jukebox the Ghost for our intro and outro music Michael Kushner thank you so much for talking with me I had a wonderful
1: time Ah, uh, just like Carol Burnett I'm wiggling my ear right now but no one can see that so <laughs> thank you you're so welcome thank you for coming
0: Take a deep
1: breath make the world a little colorful. Hey, it's Leslie Udom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the Rise Theater Directory, a program of maestro Music. Rise is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work